Thanks for joining us for Welcome New Life's Sermon of the Week, where it's all good news. To stay up to date on all of our weekly services and events, please visit us at wnla.church. Please enjoy this week's sermon. We hope it encourages you. We are going to turn to the Word of God. As I mentioned in that video, we, everything we do is based on this Word. We believe this is our ultimate source of truth. Amen? Amen? So when you come to this church, we are diving into the Bible because we believe our, our opinions, our feelings, our thoughts, our strongly held beliefs always have to bow to the Bible, the Word of God. It is our source for, for godly truth, our source for life. It tells us about Jesus Christ and, and unravels the mystery, and we get to fully engage in it. It's a gift. So we're going to turn to that today. Let's pray as we get started. Father... We, uh, we bow our hearts to your word. We say yes to Jesus. Father, And we know that we don't know everything. And so we need the great counselor, the Holy Spirit. We need your word, and we need to be guided into all truth. And so, Father, as we look to your word, may we receive the truth of it and believe it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So I'm just going to start by saying this. Jesus is coming again soon. Jesus is returning soon, but not yet, so don't quit your day job. Wait, I didn't get as many cheers for that one. Jesus is coming soon, but not yet, so don't quit your day job. Now, he, don't get me wrong, he could come right this second. Shh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, he could. He very well could. Uh, he has been coming soon for the last 2,000 years. I don't know what soon exactly means, but we are called to live life as if he could come at any second. And also live life as if I need to leave something for the generations that come beyond me. That is the tension we walk in in the last days. Did you know the last days began the moment Jesus rose again and filled the church with the Holy Spirit? And we've been walking in the last days for these last 2,000 years, which in the great scheme of things, 2,000 years is a blip on the radar. Jesus said, in fact, one of the last things, one of the last things we get in Scripture, in Revelation, he says, look, I am coming soon, right? We're like, yes, and there are days, don't get me wrong, where I'm like, even so come, Lord Jesus, because <laughs> I don't want to do what I have to do today, or whatever it is. When he told us that he was coming soon, it wasn't an excuse to throw everything in the towel and wait on the roof. We are entering, and I don't know that we ever leave a season of politics in, uh, in our United States anymore, but we're certainly entering into the throes of a fun season of politics. And I just want to remind us very freshly and very wonderfully that every sitting president has been accused of being the Antichrist. For fun, go home today and type in Donald Trump antichrist <gasps> there's so many brilliant folks that have found the reason he is the antichrist now and, and, and don't don't just pick on him type in bernie sanders antichrist oh he sure is look what he's gonna do and certainly obama was the antichrist i'm telling you and i'm saying this tongue-in-cheek and i'm not even i'm not even talking about political parties i'm saying every political season this theme comes up. We're certainly, it's all going to go downhill from here because now we've got so-and-so. 
running things, all right? Oh, no, oh, no, the coronavirus is here. This is it. The big plague to end all plagues. Is it? I don't know. It doesn't really matter if it is. If you can't march through the streets with good news off your lips in the midst of an outbreak of a virus, you've got a problem. You have not tapped into what the kingdom of God is. We are all good news because the gospel is good news in any and every situation. So I march in, whoever gets elected as president, I vote with what I believe the Bible says. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to smile and pray and I'm going to walk with joy in my heart no matter what happens. And I just want to say mass hysteria has never helped anybody. When people come to the Lord in a moment of mass hysteria because they're scared of dying of the flu, it seldom lasts long. As soon as good health hits again. What draws people that is a lasting legacy? What is it that draws us? It's the awe and revelation of his goodness. Yeah, and it happens in moments, right? Oh, I'm such a sinner. And he's like, I love you anyway. Oh, you're so good. Well, that's repentance. That's what lasts. No, no, I don't want to die. Oh, I'm not going to die? I'm good. So, God is good. Amen. You introduce people to him through euangelion, which is the gospel, which means good news. Jesus is coming for his bride. And much of what I have sat through in teachings in my lifetime about the end times, about the last days, left me scared to death and not full of joy. <laughs> so, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so are getting married. I'm so scared. When we talk about the, the return of Christ, he's coming for his bride. This is an exciting, powerful, wonderful day. Yeah. We're the bride of Christ. It's a beautiful, wonderful, exciting thing full of good news. It's not a dreadful thing for you. Amen. It's not a, when you say yes to Jesus, it's the dread of hell is gone. The dread of death is gone. It's all good news for you now. So Matthew 24, 36 says this, but about the day or the hour, he's talking about his return, no one knows. The minute somebody stands up here or you read a book or you have a vlog and they say, Jesus is definitely coming back in March of 2020, turn it off. Yeah. I beg you. They're a liar. And, and I mean, they probably have good intention. They think they figured something out. But they're calling Jesus a liar. They're saying, he says nobody knows the day. He says we can know the season. We can read the season. You know what? It seems like we're in that season. And I would say it seems like it. But I can't tell you if this is the day. I can't tell you if 2020 is the year. It could be. I have to live my life in that tension that, that it could be, right? He also goes on there in, in Matthew, and he says that to keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. He's not going to come the next day after the presidency election, and you're like, he's definitely coming. He'd be like, hey, keep waiting. I'm coming soon, though. This is the tension. Like, if I knew that someone was going to break into my car and steal my stereo at 2.30 in the morning tonight, I would sit out there with love, all right? <laughs> and I would love on them when they showed up, right? 
they wouldn't get my stereo. They just wouldn't because I would know. But, it, but I get lazy. I forget. Hey, whatever. I'll leave my car unlocked. What? Jesus is trying to help us live in this tension. I'm coming for your stereo at any moment. It's going to be soon. Continue to live your life as if I'm going to be there. And so I don't, I don't get lazy. I don't, I don't get slothful. I don't throw it all out and just start doing whatever I want. I continue to engage with him in this. All right. Live and prepare like he's going to come any minute, but prepare that it may not happen in your lifetime. This is the tension of the series that we're starting today. I'm going to say it one more time. Live your life prepared for Jesus to come any minute, but also prepare and live your life as if it will not happen in your lifetime. Why is this important? Because most amazing revival and movements in church history have ended with people abandoning the fronts of culture. The Jesus People Movement in the 60s, 70s, what did they do? Like, it was a great movement. God was doing amazing things, but they're like, let's not go to college and just worship Jesus all the time. Let's, let's, let's not go into professions and, do, and, and live, let's not be scientists, let's not be, let's not be any of these things. Let's just meet together and pray and sing all the time. There's nothing wrong with meeting together and praying and singing all the time. Please don't hear me saying that. But there is also nothing wrong with meeting together and praying and singing and seeking the Lord and being a NASA scientist. Because what happened in our culture and what has a tendency to happen in my zeal is I abandon the calling on my life. I abandon my giftings. Well, why should, I, why should I go to college? He's going to come back in the next five years. I should spend every waking moment touring around and telling people about Jesus. If that's your calling, you should. But he doesn't call everyone to quit NASA or quit your, quit your day job. That's why I'm saying you can be fully engaged with the gospel and the euangelion of good news and keep your day job. I want you to be obedient. Like if he tells you, hey, you should quit your day job, do it. Yes, please. I would never tell you to not obey him. But I also want to say, don't you jump ahead of him and do what you think would be good, even though he hasn't told you to do it. Don't get ahead of him. You realize I could never reach the, the, the area, the people in NASA science. I don't know them. They would look at me like, who are you? And, you know, maybe the Lord will give me an opportunity. But somebody in that field... There they are. You realize how strategic God is? He's calling engineers. He's calling teachers. He's calling builders. He's calling people to open up restaurants. He's calling people to invade the world and bring Jesus with them where they are. And that is how we live in this tension. Because the other area is, that, well, I guess, I guess I'm just a scientist. No need for Jesus anymore. And then I just get busy in my routine. I don't bring him with me. I don't engage with him on a daily basis. And then, yeah, I'm just a whitewashed wall doing whatever. You see, they're both stupid. We need, we need the fully engaged church who's in for revival and in for prayer and worship and the word and the, and the fully filled with the Holy Spirit people who are, who are doing what God has told them to do with their hands, with their minds, with their mouths, with whatever the Lord is calling you to do because he's gifted you in ways he hasn't gifted me. And we don't all have the same gifts, so we shouldn't all be doing the same thing. 
Stop living like you are the only one in your family lineage that matters. This is where we're going today. I, I, we're starting a series called A Passion for Posterity. Amen. Because we tend to start living our lives as if we're the center of the universe. And I, I love you, but you're not the center of the universe. Amen. You're a part of a big story. Amen. A part of a big story. Oh, an important part, a beautiful part, but you're not the story. And so we need to stop living our lives like I'm all there is. That there's no one coming after me that matters. No one came before me that matters. It's all about me. Jesus is calling. So listen, I shared last Sunday a little, little bit right before worship that something the Lord put on my heart out of Jeremiah 29.11, right? Our favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, and a future, all the wonderful things I like to hear people say about me. But what did he say beforehand? What was their, what was their context? I told you last week. They were literally in exile in a godless pagan country now. They've been uprooted and they've been taken into exile. And what did God say to them? Oh, be afraid. What was his word to them? He said, no, no, no. He said, go build houses. Engage. Get married. Make babies. Fill the earth. Bless the city that you're in. Because as they prosper, so will you. And then he goes in and he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. That's where it comes in. As you fully engage with the culture while continuing to fully engage with Jesus, there's a blessing. Don't abandon the front. We're not the center of the universe, right? Amen? Amen. I also want to say this here at the beginning. Emotions, I, I'm an emo, I love emotions. I'll read a romance novel. Oh. It's true. Hallmark Christmas movies, I'm in, all right? You guys are like, yeah, you're not coming to the men's ministry, are you? <laughs> I'm going to lead the next session. It's going to be about, anyway. Pride and Prejudice, that's what we're going to do. No, anyway. <laughs> but I want to say this, and please, let, let, me, let me say somebody who's very empathetic. Emotions are not gods. They're not gods. Little G's, they're not gods. Emotions are not gods. They do not, your emotion about something, your feeling about something doesn't negate truth, ever. Amen. Well, I don't feel like that's true right now. I don't want it to be true. It seems hurtful to that person. So there must be some other truth. That's dumb. What am I saying? That feeling I have, that's God's. That's my God. No, 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 no. God does use feelings sometimes. Don't get me wrong. God created feelings. He's emotional, all of those things. But your emotions aren't the word of God. In fact, my emotions, oh my goodness, they'll change from minute to minute sometimes. Right? Am I right? Am I the only one here? 
You don't wake up one day and I'm like, oh, it's the worst day ever. Wake up another day, woo, this is a great day. And nothing's changed. God is still on the throne. God is still good. He still has an amazing plan for my life. He's still working for my good at all times. Nothing's changed. What's changed is some chemical reaction in my body. So I have to be very careful not to live my life at the whim of how I feel in the moment or what I'm doing is I'm actually committing idolatry. And I've made an idol out of my emotions. In fact, we often have to operate in the opposite spirit of our emotion. It happens about 50% of the time. I do what I don't want to do because I know the word says I should. I know this is what God's best is, and so I do it even though I don't want to, right? Simple example. This is, this is something, you get a glimpse into my mind as if you wanted more of that. <laughs> Whenever I, <laughs> oh Lord, save us all. Honestly, this thought goes through my mind almost every day at the end of the day. When I get home and I sit down to take my shoes off, okay? <laughs> yeah, I almost pass out. No. But I always, I'm tempted to do this and pull my shoes off and kick them over there and walk away. But here's the thought that goes through my mind, and it's so simple. But I'm like, wait a minute. You're, you're putting a burden on tomorrow's Andy for the sake of today's Andy. And it's a silly thing. I'm like, because tomorrow morning... Andy, tomorrow Andy is going to have to untie that shoe anyway. And I'm like, well, I'm tired right now. Maybe I won't be in the morning. Maybe tomorrow I'll wear flip-flops. <laughs> and I, honestly, I, I fail at this about half the time because it, 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 right, it seems silly, right? But the truth is, it's just a reminder because at the moment I've had a long day. I don't want to bend down. I want to just kick my, get to that couch as fast as I can. But I remind myself, invest in and tomorrow, Andy, because tomorrow, Andy, has, has, will have different circumstances, and I actually do have the time today. Untie my shoes for future Andy. That's, this is the glimpse into my mind. I know it's a small thing. Uh, should I put my dish in the dishwasher? <laughs> Honey, could you go out of the room for a second? This is me and my kids. Whenever, and the dishwasher's empty. I know it. It's so glorious when you open the, Oh, it's clean. I can put it in the, di in the sink. <laughs> At least I tried. What am I saying? I'm, saying? I'm saying one of two things. One, either A, I'll do it later, fully convincing myself. Later, Andy will do that. But more likely, I'm like, later, Stephanie will do that. <laughs> and what am I doing? I'm allowing my emotion. And it's called laziness. I'm not going to invest in my wife's future or my future at the expense of my one moment of, I don't know, I don't want to scrape this and rinse it and put it in the dishwasher. That'll take 30 seconds. That's 30 seconds I could be watching TV. This is, this, honestly, this is, okay, we need to move on. We're not the center of the, of the universe. Emotions are not our God, all right? And I know these are small things, but they have, the small practices lead to the big practices, right? Yeah. Eh, should I sleep with my girlfriend? Uh, I really want to, right? Of course you want to. 
But it's going to damage that person, damage you, and, and damage your kids and your future. Amen. For this moment that I want right now. So here I'm trying to, ah, should I save money? Because the new Nintendo Switch is coming out, right? I know I should save some, but I really feel like I want this new big screen right now. Here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm drawing a parallel here, and I'm making it real practical for us because this then invades the rest of our life. My spiritual, eh, should I invest? Eh, should I invest in my kids? Should I spend time? Should I read with them? Eh, I don't feel like it right now. I'll do it tomorrow. And what I'm, I'm not only burdening myself tomorrow, I'm laying a burden on my family tomorrow. I'm not paying the price today and investing in today. I'm not having a real view of what posterity should and could be. Should I, should I eat the fifth maple bar today? Or do you think maybe summer Andy might want to go swimming sometime and feel a little more confident about it? It's what we do. I, I sacrifice tomorrow's Andy for the sake of today's moment because I don't feel like it. All right. Passion for posterity. That's what we're talking about this week, next week. This week, we're going to go from you onward, and next week, we're going to go from you backward. Both are posterity, and both you can have an impact on and choose amazing things. And if you, and, and I'm not even saying, if you don't have kids, that's totally fine. Posterity is more than that. It's where you invest. It's who you invest in. I, I, I have a, 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 one of my, my former youth pastors, to this day, he will drop these encouraging bombs on me. And I'm like, I haven't even talked to you in months, and here you are. Why are you still praying for me? Why? Because he has a view of outside of himself, posterity, someone that's going beyond him. And he's investing in that. So it doesn't have to just be your family, although it should be your family too. All right, you understand? So there's something here for you no matter what. Today, uh, King Ahaz is going to be our guide. Um, and next week, it will be his son who will be our guide in our, in our series here. There were lots of kings in the Bible, lots of good kings, lots of bad kings. Ahaz happened to uh, have some issues, all right? Now, Ahaz, if anybody was set up for success, it was Ahaz, okay? Ahaz, he, he was the king of, of Judah, he was the king, but his dad was a, one of the good kings, and that's a rarity, right? as you read scripture. King Ahaz's dad uh, was a guy named Jotham, or Jotham, in fact, when, you, when I open my scripture to the previous chapter, it says, Good King Jotham. This was his dad. And it says this about him in 2 Chronicles 27.6. It is about Jotham, not about Ahaz. It says, Jotham became powerful because he ordered his days before the Lord his God. Amen. He followed the Lord. And for some reason, it worked out for him. <laughs> it's so crazy how simple it is, yet how complex we make it, Right? So Jotham, King Ahaz's dad, followed the Lord. He ordered his steps before the Lord. And as a result, he was blessed. The kingdom was blessed. There was, there was a, it became a stronger kingdom, a more prosperous kingdom. And this is what Ahaz was handed. Here you go, son. Not only that, Ahaz's grandpa was King Uzziah, who was another good king. He messed up at the end there a little bit. Uzziah loved the Lord, he followed the Lord, and then he, he got ahead of himself and he went into the, the, the sanctuary and offered the sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to do. That was the priest's job. 
As a result, he lived the rest of his years with leprosy, had to live, live in the upper room and didn't get to come out. So you imagine this. Here's King Ahaz. He's a little, little boy Ahaz. He, does, he knows Grandpa, the guy waving to him out the window. That's Grandpa. He knew, and he knew why. He was told, his dad said, you know why Grandpa has leprosy? It's because he went in and disobeyed God. Now, he was a good man. We love him. Uh, but but that's, that's why Grandpa's up there. Hi, Grandpa. And then he lived, then Jotham lived his life for the Lord. He orders a step for God. Now, Ahaz takes over, and we're going to read 2 Chronicles 28, 2 through 4, and then we're going to jump and read 22 through 25 in the same chapter. It says this, 2 Chronicles. He followed, this is talking about Ahaz. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshiping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his children in the fire. Engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites, he offered sacrifices and burnt incense at high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. We're going to stop there for a second. What a ding-dong, right? that's That's what we say from our perspective. What on earth? You literally watched what happened here. Now, and so he does this. I mean, imagine being one of his kids. You're going to toe the line. <laughs> I don't want dad to burn me in the fire. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So as a result of these actions, these obviously, I don't have to tell you, these are abomination. These are terrible. These are a travesty to the nation. As a result, God does this to, his, to, to the kingdom. Sorry, I can't bless this. And the enemies, as always, as always when I say this to God, eh, I can't, I'm not, I'm not. When I say I'm going to just do whatever, God's like, yeah, I'm going to, oh, you're going to step outside of my blessing zone here. I don't want this to happen to you. So Ahaz, Ahaz steps outside. He's doing stupid stuff. He starts getting oppressed. In that, in that you'd think, oh, the light would come on. I, I'm, I, should, I should go ahead and start worshiping God. Well, let's skip down to uh, verse 28. Uh, excuse me, verse 22. In his time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him, for he thought, since the gods of the king of Aram have helped them, I'll sacrifice to them. See if they'll help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all Israel. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings of the temple of God, cut them to pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem, in every town in Judah, and built high places to burn sacrifices to other gods and aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. Now, we don't, and here's what, one of the things I love about the, the, the scripture here, especially in Kings and Chronicles, we don't get the inner dialogue of why they're making these choices, right? We don't get, we don't get the dialogue like, like, well, and you know why Ahaz did this? The reason Ahaz was unfaithful is because he was mad at God because of what he did to Grandpa, and so he just couldn't get over that, and so he just started doing whatever. We don't get that, and that's okay. Because your unfaithfulness and your excuse for your unfaithfulness don't actually matter. What matters is, are you being faithful? The reason he was unfaithful actually is beside the point. The point is he was unfaithful. 
And, and we often, we, we champion our excuses. And that's the reason we can be unfaithful. When the truth is, unfaithfulness is unfaithfulness, whether you have a good situation or a bad situation. Okay. You won't stand before the judgment seat of God. We all will one day, but you won't get this opportunity. Lord, I would have accepted Christ. But, you know, I, I was really, I was, we were really poor growing up, and I just couldn't understand that. So I just didn't bother. There's, there is one thing you can say in that moment. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. The blood of Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. This is the only thing you will have to say on Judgment Day. I pled the blood of Jesus. I'm in. Here's why, I, here's why I believe he prostituted himself. I believe Ahaz had a problem following his whims and emotions rather than truth. I believe that's why he, he led Israel down, down the toilet like he did. Why did he sacrifice? Why did the Bible say he sacrificed to Damascus? These gods, these false gods of Damascus. Because he's like, you know what? They're doing okay right now. Maybe, maybe their gods will help me. And so, and you'll notice, he actually didn't stop worshiping God. He just added a bunch of other people. And I'll talk about what he actually did with God in a second here. But he's like, you know what? I'll hedge my bets, because I'm feeling scared right now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer sacrifices to these false gods of Damascus. That's a whim based on an emotion, based on fear, not based on what, the, what God has said. And what it does when I live my life in that way, it actually destroys future generations. It robs from them. You know, we're, we're told over and over culturally to just follow your heart, follow your dreams, follow what's on your heart. Don't follow what's on your heart. Follow what's in the word of God. And then follow what the Lord tells you. And he will give you the desires of your heart in their pure form. Because my problem is when my, my heart's desire can get perverted based on how I feel about it in the moment. When, when God gives you the desires of your heart, if you'll delight yourself in him. Yeah. And he will lead you to paths of righteousness for his namesake, and you will have things to pass on to generations to follow. Why did, why did he set up high places? The high places had existed for hundreds of years. And people would worship on them. Why? Because they were convenient, right? The Bible told them you only offer sacrifices and worship in Jerusalem, but that's a long walk. In fact, I only can get there once a year, if that. And I want to worship, and I want to do what I need to do. And so what I'll do is I'll set up my sacrifice here on this beautiful high place. In fact, we've got a picture of one of them in Israel that you can go visit to this day. This is in the northern part of the kingdom. They build, build these places and, hey, come sacrifice here. And what did, what did Ahaz do? He's like, you know what? It's not fair. There's the other problem. My, my fairness emotion there. It's not fair that these people don't get to worship. In fact, we should get everybody hedging their bets. So what did he do? He took the articles out of the temple, the one place God said you were supposed to worship, chopped them up. And he sent them throughout to these high places so people could worship God the true God, on a high place, which is what they weren't supposed to do. And while they're there, let's also hedge our bets and worship Baal, 
and worship this false god. We'll just set them all up on the same high place because there's a pretty view here. I'm going to worship my way right away. What I'm doing, what he did, I'll boil it down to you. He said, I don't want to untie my shoes right now. Because I feel like, I, I, you know, it's just too hard right now. And what happened? He destroyed himself. He killed his kids. He destroyed the kingdom. Yeah. Wasn't short, it was shortly, it, it, they were on their way out to exile. Now, I get this, and I get the emotion of it, right? Because we are emotional beings, right? I have a couple of pictures here. I keep mentioning I'm building a house, but we've, we've had some, some absolutely miserable days. And this is like dumping rain and, and mud up to my knees. Zeb's trying to make me smile, and I'm like, shut up, Zeb. <laughs> this, this is how I feel. And I honestly, in these moments... In these moments, here is, here's how I feel, and here's what I want to say. God, I thought you loved me. That's what I want to say. Yeah. I thought you were good. I thought you had a plan. I thought this was your idea, and here I am in the mud, and everything's falling apart. That's what I feel. Now, next picture. We got the floors on, and it's sunny. And here's what my heart is. Oh, you love me, God. You're always good. I know you have a plan, right? This is, this is, this is the fickleness of what, of what even weather does. And this is why throughout history, people have set up altars and worshiped the sun. When that sun, we know it here in the Pacific Northwest. The sun comes out, it's like, oh, is that God? <laughs> and, then, and then people in the desert, it starts to rain. And they're like, oh, the rain, is that God? When none of those things are God, there's one true God. He sends the rain, he sends the sun. Sometimes it's not when the season you want it to be. But he's still God. He's still good. And if you worship only at your whim and live only at your whim, you will be tossed, you will be, you'll be trashed. And at the end of the day, you'll be a, you, your life will be a train wreck. And it's best to, oh, I just wanted my kids to worship Jesus, but I've been tossed around my whole life. And I'm like, here's what I have to offer you, kids. It's a train wreck. I would have cleaned it up, but I didn't feel like it. Hopefully you will feel like it. And we expect them to take something of the mess of my life and do something amazing with it. Now, there's good news here. Because today is the day where you get to start cleaning up your mess where you get to start living like you're not the center of the world, where you start to live that there are generations. Imagine if I was, if I'm a pastor here, and I'm like, I'm certain that the Lord will come back before I'm done. Let's not bother putting a new roof on this old building. Right? In fact, we got this news the other day that there, there's posts underneath the sanctuary here that are rotten. And I'm like, we could leave that for somebody else. <laughs> We're not going to. We're going to fix that. But I, but I want to tell you, like, this is the emotion of it, right? And if I get so caught up in, the, you know, this is the moment. This is the, this is the only thing God's ever going to, then I'm going to leave something trashy for the next generation. We bought, we, our hot water tank went out, and we're like, well, we could buy the cheaper one, 
Or we could spend a little extra right now and get the tankless one so that we're actually investing in the long run. And our board made the decision to go for the, go for the investment that's going to pay off in dividends in, in years to come rather than at this very moment. This is how we are to live our lives, as if God is going to return at any moment, but as if I still have to steward everything he puts in my path, as if there's going to be the next generation and the generation after that, because I don't know. And I don't want to rob tomorrow's generation because I don't want to untie my shoes today. Or because I'm convinced that I'm convinced that I'm convinced that I won't need these shoes tomorrow. I'm inviting you to step away from the high places of culture, not worship the way that America has told us to, but worship the way that Jesus has told us to. Because there are some things. Ahaz walked into some of these high places that had existed since the time of Solomon. And he's like, well, there were a lot of kings blessed throughout my lifetime. So why not just keep doing what they did? They did fine. There are things, there are cultural things that are actually not godly things that even us as Christians have bought into. Because you know what? They've been, we've been doing it for hundreds of years and people have been blessed in this system. I'm asking us to retool the way we think, the way we live. Stop being the McDonald's culture and start being the, hey, I'm going to invest in something a little more profound that maybe I don't even get the full ramifications of, but somebody else will beyond me. I'm inviting us today to invest in our future and in the future of our posterity and the generations that will experience revivals that we won't get to, but it's like this. I get to this wall. I can't get over it. And when I realize that, hey, maybe I won't get over this, but I'll get down and I'll put a, I'll put a foundation here and I'll say, son, come stand on my shoulders. You still can't reach it? Get down. Let's, let's create a ladder. Because the kingdom of God wants the whole world. And we each get to play a part of that. I'm asking us to invest. Now, if you go to an investment strat- strategist, it's a word, <laughs> they would say, don't, if you've ever sat with an investor, do not put all your eggs in. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I'm telling you, put all of your eggs in one basket. This is my instruction to you. It's contrary to what investment strategies is, and I'm not talking just about finances here. I'm talking about put everything about you and your life into the basket of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean this. All right, let's sell it all, and we're going to have a party on the roof here until Jesus comes. That gives me one egg, me. That's how I live my life. I have one egg. But when I start to approach my finances in faith, and I'm going to start investing and being wise with those in faith, living like, yes, Jesus could come at any minute, but also there might be, what if he comes in 10 generations from now? What if he comes the next generation? What if he comes in this generation? I live in both of those tensions, so I put my finances in there. I put my, my career in there. I put my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, with those I come in contact. They all go into that faith basket surrounded by Jesus Christ. And I don't rob from Peter to pay Paul. I invest in these things.
And I allow faith to saturate all of these things. And I don't compartmentalize it out. And then, and I don't make excuses based on what I was given. Maybe you only have five eggs. Great, be faithful with those five eggs. Don't bury those eggs. Invest those eggs everywhere you get. And, don't, and do it in faith. What the Lord has given you uniquely and beautifully, invest. Allow the Lord. Live as if there will be those that come after you, but expect the Lord to come at any moment. Let's set up the next generation. And let's set up ourselves for tomorrow too. Let's untie our shoes today. And this is the, oh, this is the day I have to untie my shoes. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord today. I'm not going to allow wallowing and self-pity and turmoil. I'm going to say, stop that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to step and make decisions in faith today because tomorrow I'm going to need that foundation that I built today. Tomorrow someone else is going to need that foundation that I built in faith. Next week, Hezekiah is going to come into the scene. Hezekiah was Ahaz's son. Now, we're going to talk about what do you do if you're a Hezekiah and you've lived your life because your dad was literally killing your siblings in fire. <laughs> your, your posterity that came before you set your future on fire. Is that, am I lost? Am I a lost cause now? The answer in short is no. You can heal, your past can be healed. And we're going to talk about that next week. And we're going to talk about how we can engage with the past so that we can continue to go from glory. Because Hezekiah, he was a good king. Set up with garbage, but he was a good king. All right, so our homework for this week, you're going to find a way to invest in your posterity, in your future, in your future self, in the future of those that might come after you. Whatever you need to do. What am I doing now that I feel like doing, but it's actually robbing me of my future? And I'm going to make a change. What am I doing now that I feel like doing that actually won't really affect me, but it may affect those that come after me? I'm going to make a change. Because I'm going to do this in faith. Because I know. It's not just because I want my kids to be set up well. It's because I want the kingdom of God to be set up well. Amen. And I want to be somebody who allows others to stand on my shoulders. Right? Amen? Amen. So we're going, to, we're going to conclude here today. We're going to have folks up here that would love to pray for you. You just want to spend time with the Lord. And uh, you just want to clean up your mess internally or whatever you need to do. He loves those moments. But I'm going to close us in prayer, and, uh, and, and we're going to jump into this again next week. So, Father, thank you so much that you see the end from the beginning. That, Father, it is, it is your glory to even conceal matters so that we can walk in faith. Father, I thank you for emotions. We appreciate them. Father, they're godly. But, Father, we make decisions based on your truth. Father, I pray for anybody here today that is, is walking in a mess that they created or one that, that was given to them. Father, we thank you that you are the God who cleans our car by the blood of Jesus. And we just pray that. Father, there's no mess too big, and we just receive the cleansing of that, Father. Father, we also receive the wisdom to see where it is that you're asking us. 
the one thing or the two things you're calling us out. Hey, try this. Change this. Father, we just want to be faithful to say amen to that and not be bossed around by how we feel in the moment. May we be blessed with your wisdom and insight to be shoe untires today. So, Father, we receive it. We say yes in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.